This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Every moment of being alive is truly a miracle, an opportunity to open and receive the blessing of discovering the most intimate relationship we will ever have. Once we are here and have sufficiently landed our spirit down into the holy flesh and bones of our human experience, real life begins. The life of this present moment is then not only here to be experienced, we also get to participate, contribute, and respond with more and more agency. We get to discover how to wield the gentle art of stewarding a genuine life. We are not just here to merely survive the awakening process. We also inherited a deeper potential from the wisdom miracle of our origins, and that is to thrive. Being of service and benefiting the whole that we now recognize we are intrinsically one with becomes the primary motive. The kiss that we have always wanted becomes the kiss that we are now able to give. Not the overriding spiritual bypass, make nicety nice, hide and seek, appease and kiss ass kiss, but the kiss of integrity that lands and reverberates as a benediction, a prayer and confirmation of the real. No matter what fates we have been given, inherent in our birth is the opportunity of a lifetime to receive, allow, and evolve the mystery of being human by being love itself. Valeria Tellez interviews Ajaya Summers. She is a teacher, author, speaker, the creative catalyst in the field of psycho-spiritual somatic integration, and the creatrix of core embodiment. For the last 27 years, Ajaya Summers has been instrumental in facilitating conscious evolution in thousands of people's lives. She designs and facilitates training programs for professionals, leads retreats, and offers both live and online group platforms for organizations that are ecologically regenerative, socially just, and spiritually connected. All of her programs are grounded in science, expanded through devotional practice, and made real through direct experience. Ajaya is the founder of a unique somatic discovery process called Core Embodiment, an integrated system of embodiment practices, principles, and perceptual orientations to awaken and align with the power of your human potential. She is a certified biodynamic craniosacral integration teacher, a NARM practitioner, neuroaffective relational model, as well as an authorized continuum teacher. Meet Ajaya 
at ajeasummers.com and coreembodiment.com. Here is the interview with Ajea Summers. In your own words, who is Ajea Summers? Hello. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Valeria. <laughs> Who is Ajaya Summers? <laughs> well, that is quite a question to begin with. I, I guess the truest answer would be, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a, I'm an unfolding mystery uh, to myself. But I, you know, I find myself most intimately in an experience of being in this body, in this time, in this location um, on planet Earth where it seems that I'm used quite well in terms of sharing with others how they too can be intimate with who they are on the deepest level. I would say that's my life devotion and passion. And it's also what I invite others to explore with me. I love that. Um, I love that answer, <laughs> of course. And um, how did you come to this understanding, realization, spiritual knowledge, I would say? You know, I I think I can remember as just when I was a child, a similar intimacy with nature, with being in my body, looking out from my eyes, you know, feeling the touch of my own hands, kind of being in the curiosity and the wonder of what 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 am I and what is all this? And so I feel like there's a thread I can remember as far back as my my earliest memories of just that essential innocence of being. And so I think over the years, of course, that's become, you know, matured in some ways or refined or I've gone through human journeys and experiences and struggles. But I would say that that essential just wonder and curiosity of being. Um, I often wonder why some of us come to realize that we have this deep and sincere curiosity and openness about what this is that we call life. And some of us never ask these questions. They either keep them suppressed or they lose touch with that. Do you wonder why that happens and how it happens? Sure. You know, I think that that kind of belongs to the realm of just how vast infinite space and time is. <laughs> and that we don't know, you know, in terms of the vantage point uh, on a soul level, if it's true that we live many incarnations, you know, there may be some souls that are just younger in their journey. And some, you know, you hear that phrase being an old soul. So I do think there's some truth to that, that there's an inevitability of all being, of all consciousness waking up to what it is. And some of us are very seasoned <laughs> you know, and some of us are newer. And yeah, I think there's just different interests we have in each incarnation or different uh, learnings or, you know, sort of soul curriculum that we're up to. Another question I have for you is the initial question. It's about the purpose of life. This is a, something that so many people, we talk here a lot about purpose. And I have asked so many times, what, what is the purpose of life? And what is the purpose of 
each one of us, what are we doing here? As you talked about um, old souls and younger ones. <laughs> so let me ask you an open question. If life had one purpose, one purpose only, what would that be from your perspective? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think if we really boil it down to the most pith answer, it's just to be love and to love and to receive love, you know, to just be the love. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I think if I could extrapolate on that a little bit, that's already true and already who we are. But I think the journey of embodying that through, in a way, making medicine of our wounds, our traumas, our, you know, sort of like an alchemical language, taking the the dark or the, you know, the fecund, the the dross of our of our lives, and and discovering the great work, discovering how to alchemize it, and into the love, into that greater presence that is that which does not come and go. And mm. yeah, uh, that sounds wonderful to me. Just listening to you, like the I can try the mind tries to visualize what that mm. looks like, but it, it can't really see anything. It feels, it resonates true. Going back to that place that there's no, it's basically no duality, no two. And I often also wonder what it looks like. I have seen a lot of spiritual teachers, not too many, of course, but Ramana Maharaji, I think his name was, if I pronounced that correctly, that... Um, by being in that state, it was just, um, for him, was almost losing touch with the physicality of being a human, which right. for him had been forgotten even, or he was so emerged with the one that anything that could be described as separation, as two, it could not be perceived by him. So... I wonder how many of us can do that. And if we can do that, we can do both, live non-duality and duality at the same time (laughs) without losing the body. (laughs) I think that's really the evolution, if you will, of where we are spiritually now. You know, I think when Ramana was alive at that time in general, the spirituality on the planet was much more that kind of um, guru model. And this enlightenment was perceived as what you're describing, like a, a total negation of body, of mind, of self, and this kind of transcendent, you know, hyper, kind of hyper-masculine, I think nowadays we would call that kind of um, awakening. But I think in in the decades since then, there's a natural process of evolution that's it's almost like you can think of that time as a movement towards an ascension, a, a, a transcendent kind of ascension. And I think now it's a lot about this reverse, in a way, a descending or a coming back into form and a reclamation of the body, the mind, the heart, the humanness, our needs, our feelings. Yes, as as separate, you know, autonomous, sovereign individuals. And that um, it's inclusive of what you were describing, that non-dual, undifferentiated, pure awareness. But I think that it it's not really fulfilled until it comes back home 
and fully blossoms inside of the human heart and in, into the human body and into the human life. Mm-hmm. So I see that more as what's, you know, what's alive at this time in terms of, you know, in terms of that natural evolutionary process. I often also wonder how could not duality come from non-duality? How could something that cannot be split did it? It's almost, I call it the impossible. I mean, it is impossible. We can't really split, which makes this now here talking to you and everything that's around me and you not real. Well, I guess that's one way. I love, <laughs> yeah. I love your questions and your, uh, <laughs> I guess that's one way. But, you know, um, maybe it's great. I think that I, I sometimes, I've been so um, informed and impacted and affected by, I guess, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of years in the teachings and with the teachers that you're referring to. And I think, you know, in my experience, it was like I would go on long meditation retreats or, you know, have these awakenings of these non-dual experiences. But it wasn't until I started really studying embryology and in an experiential way, in an embodied way, that I started to really um, have some of those awakenings land more fully and also show me you know, like I feel um, compelled to say when you ask that question of like, well, how could the one become the two? You yeah, know, and, right. And right. therefore, is it not real? What I love to share with people is um, in embryology, you know, the study of how we come into to, to being in the formation of a human being. I, I tell this story often to my students, and I won't go into a long version right now, but I'll show pictures and slides to depict in a way our creation story. And I say often, you know, I'll show a picture of what's often called the finger of God. It's a picture of the from the Hubble spacecraft. And it's just this beautiful, the eye of God. And I say, you know, we came through this non-dual and differentiated space of pure awareness. But to come into form, to come into biological consciousness, we enter through a sperm and an ovum. And so we enter into this realm where what we call the, the the holy pairs is what gives rise to the dance that we call life. So we see it from that very beginning of our origins. We have masculine and feminine. We have dark and light. We have, you know, hot and cold, all of the duality pairs. And if I was to go on and share what happens through the whole embryological process, we don't stop at two. You know, the two then... Mm-hmm explode into one again and then they keep differentiating and subdividing and differentiating until there's you know millions and millions and millions of cells that give rise to all the different tissues and organs and systems but fundamentally what's moving all of that what's allowing that process is taking place from what you're saying this the mystery from in in embryology it's from the heart the actual heartbeat itself is what's propelling all of this movement that's allowing these various shapes and forms to create what we call a human body. And there's obviously lots more details to that, but it has, I feel like it does, it has informed me in this way where I find it to be um, almost like the opposite. It's like 
there's nothing unreal that exists and only love is real. Yeah, I love that the part of the heart because that makes a lot of sense. So you never really split it. It's just the one happening, being many, the many. But there's no really separation. So the separation itself, the feeling of separation is the illusion. That might be it. But it's never two. It's always here. The one is always here. <laughs> it really resonates true, that, that part. If the mind really can grasp, which I don't think it can, <laughs> but it tries. <laughs> the heart can experience, right? You know, the heart, the heart can experience, the heart can feel these realities. Um, and then eventually, you know, I think the mind is sort of has its own awakening. But I, I think first it happens through the heart. Yeah. Yeah, it resonates because the heart is uh, a metaphor for love, for that one love that is real. The only thing that's real. Yes, a billion times to that. <laughs> so you are a teacher and creative catalyst in the field of psycho-spiritual somatic integration. So how would you describe what you do, Ajaya? Thank you. Um well, I mean, there's so many ways I could answer that. I, I work individually with people, and I would say in that context, a lot of what I do, I would say almost like I have this secret vocation as like a surrogate mother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. I, I provide spaces for people to feel safe, to let go, to feel their feelings, to, to have an experience of a deeper contact with who they are. And then, you know, in group settings, I also teach groups. I would say it's a similar um, intention on my part, only there's different ways I facilitate that. So I, I have um, bodies of work uh, that come through my background in Continuum, where we work with sound, which is really audible breath, and um, when we tap into sound and audible breath, basically, we're reorganizing uh, the signature of how we breathe and therefore how our emotions are stored in the body. And that often when we feel things that we don't want to feel, we repress our breath and we repress our tissues and our diaphragms get tight and, you know, we kind of contort and get kind of locked up inside of ourselves. So a lot of the practices I do we work with sound, we work with touch, and really it's freeing up the breath and th freeing up the way we are organized so that our body, mind, heart can just simply be in more of a flow state, more of our natural congruency or coherence where our head, our thoughts, in our heart, our feelings, as well as our gut brain, um, more of our instinctual center can all be in rapport, can all be communicating. And um, that's really my I would say what's unique about my work is that I'm always seeing and feeling and sensing into how that flow is happening for someone and where I can support them in facilitating their system to to relax and to open so that that flow can return and they can feel connected to themselves and their own, you know, their own experience of truth again. Yeah. I love that. It sounds like it's a practice, a practice of devotion, isn't it, Ajaya? It sounds like to me. Devotion comes to mind for some reason. He's speaking to you. Describe what you do. Would you call it that as well or just a practice? 
Well, I think devotion is a really key ingredient. It's like if you're just doing a practice and it's mechanical and there's no devotion, then it, it it's like, it, what's the point? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> there is a devotional sure. quality of, you know, I think when I ask my students or my clients, like, what do you, what do you want for yourself? You know, like I always will ask that, what do you really want for yourself? Either they know, and it's often this answer of, I want me, I want to know myself, I want to feel connected to myself, I want to feel at home in myself, you know, or sometimes they're so fragmented, they don't even know what they want for themselves. And there's a process we need to go through to even find that and even feel worthy of it. But I think once people do, there is a devotional quality. It's almost like you have to make choosing yourself the most important thing. Not not from like a selfish narcissistic standpoint, you know, and our, like our culture would say, but really choosing like, oh, in this precious unknown amount of time I have here, you know, I want me, I want to enter in to the most intimate embrace of my own presence. Because I think ultimately that's what nourishes and connects us with everything else in our lives, other humans, our other relationships, our work. If we're lacking that, then everything else can feel very disconnected. Now might be the right moment to um, demonstrate, if you feel like it, Ajaya, how we can experience this, uh, which you speak of, this deeper connection with our own presence. I love the way you said that. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, feeling our own presence, which it is the um, the one. So talk to me about that. I know it's not just about a conversation. It's it's the experience. So I would love to um, to feel that even deeper, if if I can. Yeah, beautiful. Yes, let's um, just we'll just do a very you know brief um, take a, a moment here to just have an experience. And just to say that often when I share with people, you know, we might do a half an hour practice, an hour practice, Ah, a few days of retreat practice. (laughs) But I'll just give us a little taste. So what I would suggest is that just to bring your hands to make some contact around your chest, your heart space. And you can let your eyes close and just Start to come in to where you you allow yourself to actually feel your own touch. And you might notice how your hands are both touching in and feeling your chest. So you can kind of press in for a moment and feel that contact where your hands are touching your chest. And then also notice how your chest is receiving your touch. So you might just take a breath and breathe into your hands, receiving your touch. And just allowing yourself to be fully here in your breath, in your touch. Letting the movements of the mind become more background and the feeling body more foreground. And we'll just bring in a simple humming sound. I think everyone can make a, a humming sound. And I'll just demonstrate. It's a, it's a resonant vibratory humming sound. And the idea with this is it's not so much an external sort of performance, 
but we're being inside with the sensations of the the vibration and then meeting our touch, our vibration, and our attention all at the same time. So you'll feel the vibration kind of inside the heart space. So I'll just take us in here and you can join me. Yeah. Um. times nice deep breath in sound to come to a pause and just take another nice deep breath in staying with your heart with your touch staying with you on the inside and exhaling and just softening feeling your weight kind of melting down into the earth into your seat letting your shoulders drop letting your eyes kind of melt in towards the center of your head. Allowing the crown of the head to be gently soft and open. And just a couple more breaths in your own pace, just enjoying any new sensations of openness, spaciousness, warmth light kind of a fullness or lightness of being here in your body in your seat experiencing your moment from your heart as if the body the mind the senses are all happening inside of your heart Beautiful. So we just we just notice this very natural state of how our our own presence is aware of sensations of our body, movements of our thoughts, perhaps some feeling level, some emotional level. And we're also aware of the environment of the room we're in, of the space out beyond the room, of the natural world all the way out into some sense of infinite space, the sky, the stars, the moon, and all the way back down into our heartbeat, our breath, just the the simple pleasure of, oh, here I am. So we can just rub our hands together, just generate a little heat and... Bring some touch around the head, the face, 
Mm. The jaw, the neck, whatever feels good to you. Just bringing yourself fully here in your tissues, in your body, in your lap. And just slowly opening the eyes and receiving light and colors and textures. And oh, It's very relaxing <laughs> for the body. <laughs> I would say the mind too, of course, everything. But something interesting happened. When you asked me to place the hand at first, the very beginning, in the uh-huh. heart, and then I wanted to cry. And then the eyes, like, it's still like full of, of, of tears. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that was interesting. So no thoughts, really, because I can't think of anything that I thought about, but it was just this uh, very warm feeling that brought tears into the mm. eyes. And, uh, beautiful. Yeah, really beautiful, Isaiah. Um, and it relaxes the body. It's incredible how it's the embodiment that you speak of. I know that you use that word. So your work, it's the website, um, core embodiment. So it makes sense that you're bringing that... Uh, yeah, bringing the the uh, the divine, for lack of a better word, um, but that's a beautiful word too. Into this, into this moment, to whatever is here. The humming was interesting too, but I noticed the mind judgments from the mind. Oh, how do I sound? And that was more external. Yeah, that was interesting uh-huh. to perceive that too. The judgment there, right? Kind of trying right. to imitate your voice and. That I perceived that happening. If there was a little bit out of the body. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it takes a little practice because it's new and it can seem a little awkward. And it's very normal that people, the judgment will come in. Am I doing it right or wrong? Or, um, you know, I always try to encourage people that it's not a performance and there's no wrong or right. It's, It's really just that intimacy with your own internal vibration that can start to give the mind a place to rest. The mind is always looking for where to rest. And so when we bring the touch to the heart and we bring the sound in, the idea is that we start to locate ourselves here and drop out of being so much in headspace and you know externalizing our attention. And so sometimes, yeah, tears come just in that simple reconnecting of like, oh yeah, here, here I am. (laughs) Yeah. How interesting. Like when we do usually, like I usually think that I am already connected, which it is the ultimate truth, isn't it? That everything is connected to it, the divine. But there's something about the attention that you speak of that loses its touch with, with that divine and just goes out there. And it's interesting how how often we do that. So it's a practice of awareness too, of being present uh, with what is present. Uh, the body is the main anchor for this reality. So it, it makes so much sense. And we are most often not connected to it, including myself. And I speak a lot about it. I write it, but it's interesting how it, it's, I could really feel it now. Like the heart was like looking for my for the attention. Uh. And, and that's why... I, probably cried. I'm not sure if that was the reason. I'm, give, I'm giving a reason to it for, for, <laughs> the, for that. But it felt really good. Thank you so yeah. much, Ajay. You're so welcome. Thank you for asking me. And um, 
Yeah, my my pleasure, you know. And again, that was just a little, you know, a little taste, but it can be that simple that we just bring some attention and our touch and our our loving um the warmth of our attention. Um yeah, I I think sometimes it can be kind of these spiritual teachings or even the concept of the divine can seem very abstract. Yeah, right. And again, right. I think we we are sort of in recovery from that disassociation that that our human heart and our human being is somehow not divine or somehow separate and so i think on this very like animal level when we bring the, the warmth of our own touch and the warmth of our own presence and just the frequency of our own sound which automatically connects us to our uniqueness we start to dispel that that delusion, right? That illusion that somehow the divine is outside of me or, you know, I'm somehow less or unworthy of that, you know, magnificence of just my birthright. So I used to think that it is has been a, a kind of a learned idea, concept, that we are already it, the divine. So everything that is happening, the way it is happening, it's okay. But then I'm realizing more and more that to come to this connectedness or alignment with the divine that's already here, it takes practice. That's something that I have dropped for a while, practices, meditation and all that, because it didn't resonate anymore in a sense of trying to seek to find what mm -hmm. it's already there here so now i see that the practice it's in devotion it's part of it's always part of the of the experience of not really reconnecting but feeling that divine force energy that is already here so it takes practice interesting to realize that now more than ever <laughs> by doing this. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's practices that are really more about relaxing, relaxing without leaving, you know, disassociating, but like relaxing in. So it's kind of this participation, like we show up, <laughs> right? Just even the showing up with, oh, here's some touch, here's some sound and I'm here. And then it's more about It's more about softening our defense system, softening the ways that we're tight and tense and separate from our own love that, that just naturally is here. So I agree with you. It's not so much we have to seek for it or strain or effort or any of that. It's really more about just showing up <laughs> and, and relaxing in and becoming available to feel and get honest with what's actually here. And then that intimacy starts to naturally emerge. You know, sometimes there's a grieving that might emerge because, oh, I, I haven't really been here. You know, and as we start to arrive, it's like, oh, there's some grief. Or maybe we get in touch with, I'm afraid. I've been avoiding feeling something because I'm afraid to feel it. Or, you know, like these very human kind of honesties that then allow the defense structure to kind of relax and, and our life force to start to flow again. And then those, you know, those tears can become tears of joy, tears of inspiration, tears of creativity um, when we start to tap back in to that wellspring. 
So before we end the conversation today, I want to mention that you sent me another beautiful piece you wrote called The Kiss We Always Wanted, which relates back to everything that I have experienced here now and you have been talking about and, um, and guiding others to experience. I love that article. Absolutely mm -hmm. love it. And just to have so many passages here, not enough time to go through everything, but you say, every moment of being alive is truly a miracle, an opportunity to open and receive the blessing of discovering the most intimate relationship we will ever have. So the way you phrase it too, it's interesting. You spoke today in using so many beautiful words, putting words together in the most graceful way. But you write also in a, I keep using the word beautiful. I can't, I can't find a different one. <laughs> it's just incredibly beautiful. So I would love to actually post that article too on the Fit for Joy blog. I'll, I'll talk to you later about that. Sure. So my ending questions before that, Ajaya, would you like to add anything else that we didn't cover today? Uh, just thank you for finding me and inviting me and giving me this opportunity to share. And, um, you know, we could go on and on for hours. Oh, yes. There's so much. <laughs> yes. There's so much. But, you know, I guess one last thing I would say is that this whole journey of, you know, what we call awakening and embodiment and this this mystery of discovering who we are and all of this, right? I I think what I always want to impart to people is that there is a tangible location. It's not out there in some abstract philosophy, you know. There's a tangible location that I think we are designed to experience directly. Um, and it's for me, it's it's our hearts fundamentally, and it's also our our gut brain. Um, our heart brain, and also our head brain, these three centers. And a lot of what I do, what, what core embodiment is referring to is it's a practice where I take people through different sounds and movements and ways of accessing that those inner brain spaces <laughs> um, where ultimately we can experience in a way like the, the sentience of our own most intimate presence And how in every moment, really, we are at choice in how we're perceiving and how we're responding. And, you know, the practice gives us a way to kind of clean or clear old traumas and karmas and reactions and emotions and things we've inherited culturally and, you know, ancestrally and to really access more of that fresh present moment flow state that's moving through us. So I just like to tell people, you know, there is a tangible location. It's in the core of your body <laughs> and there is a way to access it. And I really believe that that is our birthright to to experience that natural flow and coherency between those centers. And that's really my definition of embodiment. It's like when your head, your heart and your belly are all aligned and and communicating with each other and you're not divided on the inside and then we can trust ourselves and our choices and how we navigate all of the really gritty you know gritty details of navigating a human life we need those three centers to be fully on board fully here and in rapport with each other so that's that's really my passion is kind of hand holding people and walking them, you know, back into that space where they can reclaim that, that sovereignty and that agency. 
And I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Ajay. Thank you a billion times. It's truly, truly beautiful and needed because we do lose touch with even some of us who who believe we have found <laughs> the truth or that we have found the way, it's, it's still a practice. So thank you for bringing this to this reality, which is the awareness here now. It's something that I had lost touch with at practices. Although these uh, conversations about these topics, it has been my practice, my sacred practice, my way of being in touch with that. <laughs> it brings me back to the here now, but in, in different ways, of course. So my ending questions, let's see. I'll ask you this one. What is another word for life? <laughs> another word for life, I guess what immediately came was love. You know, I, I when you asked me before we, we got on the recording about what my name meant, and I told you it means one who lives in the love that is life. I think that's my experience, the, the love that is life. And we we often think of love as kind of this, you know, hallmark puppy dog ears and, you know, all soft things and wonderful things. And but I think love is inclusive of of our shadow and of um the really challenging aspects of life. And so um yeah, I would say they are synonymous. And when we really, really drop in to that deeper intimacy with life, it's it's from the love that we're able to do that. You know, if we're if we're not in that, then it's hard to perceive, you know, the horrors, the the sort of the freak show aspects of life, you know, in any kind of unified way. And I think it's love that unifies as we back in the beginning when we were talking about the duality, you know, it's the love that's the unification mm -hmm. of all dualities. It's uh, interesting how we try to kind of push away negative feelings, uncomfortable feelings, really. It's uh, something that I have been observing, how easy it is to do that <laughs> when we are not in touch with that love that you speak of, which is unconditional and embraces everything. It really does. Mm. So my last question is, what do you love most about being in a human body? Um, well, I, you know, I have to say I love, um, the sun. <laughs> yes. I love being in the sun. I love, um, I love cats and I, I have a close cat companion in my life. I love, you know, I love to love, I guess that would be the, just the pleasure of, of loving and not, not only the, you know, the quote, pleasurable, comfortable stuff, as you say, I think that my greatest learning and expansion and awakening has been learning how to love the unpleasurable, the, the uncomfortable, hard stuff. You know, that's that's where it's like you really get to find out what you're made of. Mm, that's so true. <laughs> you know, love the easy stuff, right? But um, yeah. but I think that if we don't have that as kind of like a fundamental kind of compass of just the things that really naturally just easily bring joy to our hearts. Like for me being in the sun or being with cats or, you know, being with people I love, then it's, it's like, it gives me the the resources to um, open to the more difficult gritty sensations and experiences of being human. Um, yeah. 
It's funny when you say I love to love. I have heard talking to uh, non-duality teachers and all, and reading a lot about it, a phrase that caught my attention was exactly that. Love loves itself. So it's just in love with itself. So that makes sense when I hear you say this love for the self and what this is. So that kind of brings that idea back, which is, makes so much sense because love loves itself. Yeah, and it, it's in love with everything that there is. Thank you so much again, Ajaya, for, uh, for the beautiful work you do, how you do it, this intention to, to help others to see with clarity what love really is and, um, and what it is and where it is. <laughs> Thank you for everything. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, what you do in your work and services and projects? future projects? Yeah. Um, well, my main website is just my name, ajayasummers.com. And um, I also have a membership, and that's coreembodiment.com, which is one E, not two E's in there. And um, I am... I am offering right now a free experience if people wanted to go deeper into this. It's just called the, the Connected Experience, and it's a five-day series of videos that um, people can sign up for, and they just receive a new video every day in their inbox, and um, each video is about an hour long. So it is somewhat in-depth, um, but we go a lot more into what core embodiment is and working with sounds and understanding trauma and its impact on our development and all these kinds of things. Um, but yeah, on my website, there's more information about upcoming events and, and offerings. And um, yeah, off the top of my head, that's, that's kind of the most immediate thing I can say in terms of giving people a deeper experience for free. Wonderful. Yeah, I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. I'll have the websites and the link that you just mentioned about the um, course or program. How do I call that? Uh, yeah, the, the five-day connected experience, uh, it's, a, it's just a five-day series. Uh, they were live. It was a live broadcast. Um, and so now I have, you know, just the evergreen, the recordings. And um but I think it does a, a good job of taking people into an experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lots of pictures and slides and egg practices and all of it. Yeah. yeah. So I'll have that link too. Thank you so much again, Ajay. Beautiful. And we'll, well talk thank soon. you for the beautiful work that you do, Valeria, and bringing conversations like this out into the world and your beautiful devotional heart that's guiding you. Mm, thank you for the encouragement. The body appreciates. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> thank you, Ajay. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ajaya Summers and her work, please visit ajayasummers.com and cornbodiment.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.